0: Well, our sermon text for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. We're going to take a look at verses 21 to 28. Uh, If you're able, I'd ask you to please rise again for the hearing of God's holy word. And we read from Matthew 15 in Jesus' name. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you so much for this passage of Holy Scripture from the Gospel of Matthew. Lord, as we take a look at it this morning, I pray that you would show us our sin and need for a Savior and point us to Christ and his finished work for us. By your word, strengthen us, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Our sermon text for today begins by telling us that Jesus went away from there and withdrew. Now, the last place we're sure that Jesus is in Matthew's gospel is the town of Gennesaret, which was a a little town on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, We also know what he is withdrawing from there because Pharisees and scribes came down from Jerusalem to try to confront Jesus. As they came up to him, they accused him of rejecting the traditions of the elders about ceremonial washing. And when they do, Jesus rebukes the scribes and the Pharisees and tells them that they have placed the traditions of the elders above the commandments of scripture. Then he goes on and teaches about what truly defiles a person. It's not what you put in your body that defiles you, but instead what comes out of a sinful heart and mind that defiles the person. It's from this conflict that Jesus is withdrawing and heading toward the district of Tyre and Sidon. These two places were Canaanite coastal cities north of the Sea of Galilee right along the Mediterranean Sea. So Jesus begins to withdraw and he goes to the northwest toward the Mediterranean. While he's on his way, and we really have no idea how long he is traveling before this account happens, but while he's on his way towards that region, a Canaanite woman from Tyre and Sidon meets him on the road. And when she sees him, she cries out, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Let's take a look at what she's got to say here. She begins with a plea for mercy, which those pleas are something that are almost always answered pretty quickly by Jesus. Then she goes on and calls Jesus Lord, which means master, but also has connections to the divine name given in the Old Testament. So at the very least, she's acknowledging that Jesus is sent by God, and she may even be acknowledging that she believes Jesus to be God himself with these words. She calls him the son of David, which is a messianic title we talked about in Sunday school this morning. And after that, she gives her true request. She asks for help, not for herself, but for her daughter, who's oppressed by a demon. You see, this Canaanite woman seems to check all the boxes. She's not there to trick Jesus. She's not there to trap Jesus. She's not there to oppose him or argue with him in any way Instead, she's a woman of faith who is begging for mercy. And not only that, she isn't being selfish with her request. She's asking for the healing of her daughter out of her great love for her. We've got examples throughout the Gospels of Jesus helping people in situations like this. You see, every time he runs into a a demon, Jesus seems to cast it out. When, when people of faith come up to him and ask for help Jesus usually helps this woman called her Lord him Lord and Messiah you'd think that Jesus wouldn't hesitate for even a second to have mercy on this woman and to set her free or set her daughter free from the oppression that she's facing but that's not what happened at all in our text this woman asked for mercy calls Jesus the Messiah she asked for help and Jesus doesn't say a thing He doesn't answer in any way. He doesn't acknowledge her at all. Instead, Jesus asks or acts like there wasn't even someone there trying to speak to him. Have you ever been ignored before? I mean, not by your kids, right? That happens all the time. (laughs) But ignored by another adult that you've actually addressed specifically? It's not a very good feeling to be ignored, is it? Actually, I'm not, I'm not sure what I would find more insulting if someone completely ignored me or if they snapped and said something mean. They, probably it would, it would be more insulting to me to be ignored because in that situation, I wouldn't even rate highly enough to be acknowledged. But that's, that's what happens here in this passage. Jesus doesn't respond to this woman in any way. Now, if I was in this woman's shoes, that being ignored might have been enough to make me give up and, and go home. But not this woman. She persists even in the face of being completely ignored. She wasn't deterred at all, and she kept crying out, asking for the help that her daughter desperately needed. This must have continued for a while, because Jesus' disciples, uh, they hit a point where they asked Jesus to act. And you might think that they were being compassionate and having mercy upon this woman, but when you look at the text, it really seems like they were just annoyed with her constant requests for help. So when they go to Jesus and ask him to take care of this woman, they don't ask that he would be merciful or that he would help or that he would set that woman's daughter free. Instead, they say, Jesus, just send her away. Send her away so we don't have to hear this anymore. Send her away so the requests will stop. And again, at this, Jesus does something unexpected. And to make matters more shocking, he says things that make him seem cruel and heartless. He answers his disciples. Once again, he doesn't even address this woman, doesn't speak to her at all. And he says to his disciples, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. This woman was a Gentile, a, a Canaanite from Tyre and Sidon. So Jesus was saying, I'm, I wasn't sent for people like her. You know, at this point, after being ignored, and then overhearing a very clear word that Jesus wasn't sent to help people like me, I'm convinced that I would have given up. I don't think I would have continued on after this. But not this woman. This woman was relentless. She walks right up to Jesus. She gets on her knees and she says, Lord, help me. She begs once again for help. And again, Jesus does something unexpected and something shocking, something that seems to be more mean and cruel than anything else he has done so far. He responds finally to the woman and says, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dog's. Could you imagine that being said to you? If I had lasted this long, and I don't think I would have, to have these words said to me would have made me respond in anger and rage. I'm sure I would have gotten back on my feet, and I would have given Jesus a piece of of my mind, and then I would have stormed off. But not this woman. Instead, she says, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Here's what Luther had to say about this passage in his sermon on the same text. Here, faith takes Christ captive in his word, even when he's angriest, and it makes out of his cruel words a comforting inversion, as we see here. You see, the woman responds that I am a dog. Let it be. I will gladly be a dog. Now give me the consideration that you would give a dog. Thus she catches Christ with his own words and he is happy to be caught. Very well, she says, if I am a dog, I ask no more than the rights of a dog. Christ is happy to be caught in his own words. What did Luther mean by this? What he meant is that Jesus wasn't just being cruel for the sake of being cruel. He had a much larger purpose behind treating this woman the way that he did. The the goal of of his actions were never to reject this woman or or her daughter. He had intended from the very beginning to bring healing and freedom for this woman's daughter. But he also wanted this exchange to serve a much larger and greater purpose for those who were there to see it. Luther continues and says, We see here why the Lord presented himself so unyielding and refused to hear her not because he wanted to present an unfriendly image as not wanting to help her, but rather that her faith might be so evident that the Jews who were the children and heirs of the kingdom might learn from this Gentile, who was not among the children and had no inheritance, how they were to believe in Christ and place their confidence in him. Her faith brings her to such a state of grace that she is no longer a dog nor even a Gentile, but is welcomed as a beloved daughter and a blessed woman. You see, Jesus wasn't being a jerk here. Instead, he wanted everyone to see the great faith of this woman. He wanted all of those who were gathered to believe in him in the same way, because God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This woman and her faith and her persistence served in as, as an example to the Jews around Jesus of how they should believe in him. And she also serves as a great example for us Christians today. See, this Canaanite woman let nothing stop her. She let nothing deter her. She had a request that needed to be brought before the Lord, and she was going to keep ans- asking until she got a yes or ran out of options. How often do we persist like this in our own prayers? How often are we tenacious like this woman and let nothing deter us? See, we have the blessing of wonderful promises in Holy Scripture that that tell us that God loves us and that when we pray, he desires to hear us. We have promises in places like Jeremiah 29 where it says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. Or 1 John 5 where it says, And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Jesus even tells the parable of the dishonest judge to teach us what God is not like, to teach us how God doesn't function. We don't have to pester God so that he'll listen. Instead, he desires to hear our prayers and to answer them. Now, that doesn't mean we're always going to get the thing we ask for. But God does hear and does respond. And we don't have to pester him like this woman did. Instead, God desires to hear, listen, and answer his children. But how often do we give up on praying anyway? What does it really take for us to give up? Well, sometimes all it takes for us to give up is a little bit of disappointment. Or a bad day or some bad news or god not answering as fast as we want him to and then we give up on prayer and not only that we begin to imagine that prayer doesn't do anything or that god isn't listening or we can even end up in the place where we begin to think that god must not care about me or love me when you get to those places and you're ready to give up on prayer Or even if you're in that place right now, I want you to remember this woman's endurance. And I want you to take heart being encouraged by the promises of God that you've heard today. You see, our God is not some all-powerful but completely distant force somewhere out there in the universe. Instead, we serve the living God who is intensely personal and desires to hear you. He desires to listen, and he is working even when you can't see it, maybe especially when you can't see it. When God feels far away and your feels for, feel like they, and your prayers feel like they accomplished nothing, when it feels like your prayers are falling on deaf ears, remember that the living God is a personal God, and he has taken an interest in his beloved children. Remember again the greatest display of God's love for fallen and sinful humanity. God in his great love for us sent his one and only son to put on flesh, the same flesh that you and I have. He faced every bit of temptation that we do. He went through every bit of suffering and pain that we do, but he did it all without sin. And then he went to the cross bearing your sin and mine and paying the full price for our sin, facing the full wrath of God that our sins had earned for us. So anytime you begin to doubt if God actually loves you, if God actually cares, if he listens to your prayer or that he answers, I want you to remember what God has done for you in Christ. Because what more proof could you want or need that God loves you and desires to listen than that? I'm going to close the sermon today with one more quote from Luther's sermon on this same text. He says this, This episode, accordingly, is an especially beautiful example of true faith, that it needs to be practiced, that it will finally prevail and win out. Also, how we, therefore, must not despise the word of God, but cling firmly to its promises, never doubting that our prayer will be heard even though God for a time may delay. So in the case of this woman, she cries and implores and will not let the yes word be plucked from her heart. That Christ the Lord is friendly and will help. May our dear Lord God help us to learn this lesson very well so that with our whole heart, we may firmly believe his word and his promises And through Christ, with the help of the Holy Spirit, know that we are eternally saved. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for all of your gifts. We thank you that we don't have to pester you to get your attention, but that you desire to listen to your children, that you desire to listen and desire to answer. Help us to see all of the good things that you give, every gift that comes from your precious hands, Lord. Lord, as we now get ready to partake in Holy Communion, I ask that you would allow us to freely confess our sin before you again and trust that at the table we receive the body and blood of our crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ, given and shed for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Pray these things in your holy name. Amen.